You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I'm your host, Gary Harris. My main man, Justin Jones, back in the control room this morning, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condominiums hotline in the first hour, the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline in the second hour, 205-342-9904. That's 205-342-9904. Welcome into the show, and we are ready to go on this uh, Monday for this brand new week as we inch even closer to Christmas. It's flying by. December is already as I said, uh, into its 11th day, and uh, this year will be over before you know it, and Alabama will be playing in the Rose Bowl uh, before we can uh, even get settled in good on New Year's Day. But we got a two-hour show on tap for you today, talking sports and more here on the program. we got a good guest list. It's our Monday guest list, which always means that uh, we'll have a lot of fun, and I'll tell you about that in just a moment. But first, I need to tell you this hour, the Gary Harris Show being brought to you, as always, by Alabama Credit Union. Member-owned and not-for-profit, it's just a better way of banking. I encourage you to join me as a member of the Alabama Credit Union. You'll be very glad that you did. It's uh, it's just different. And uh, highest caliber financial institution that you're going to find. Go to alabamacu.com to learn more. That's alabamacu.com. Membership has its privileges. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, the lineup for today, Rodney Orr at uh, 9.30 from TinerInsider.com, Tiner Insider TV, the latest on Alabama football, latest on uh, recruiting. And, of course, Ryan Williams, the outstanding athlete at Saraland High School, is going to have an announcement at 9.15 this morning. He's expected to reclassify into the 2024 recruiting class instead of 2025. And, uh, boy, he put on a show Friday night in the Class 6A state championship game for Sarah Land against Clay Chalkville, Jalen Mbakwe, another Alabama commit. Both uh, Ryan Williams and Mbakwe committed to the University of Alabama. He put on a show for Clay Chalkville. It was a great, great game. And uh, Clay Chalkville won the Class 6A state championship over Sarah Land, 31-28. Phenomenal football game, and those two football players are absolutely incredible. And there's been some discussion about uh, Ryan Williams. Uh, you know, Auburn has continued to recruit him very, very diligently. But the expectation is that he will remain an Alabama commit and sign with the Crimson Tide later this month and enter into the 2024 class, which is huge because he's, uh, he's very much ready to go. Let me just tell you that. Anybody that watched that game on Friday night knows what I'm talking about. And by the way, Justin, I don't know if you got to watch that game Friday night, but both those teams came in undefeated, and of course, Clay Chalkville had beaten Thompson during the regular season. Sarah Land uh, was going for a second straight 6A state championship. It was quite a show on Friday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium. No, yeah, it was. I was glad. I got to watch um, most of those games uh, towards the end of the week last week, especially watching Ryan Williams go off in Mbakwe. I'm going to be interested, though, as much of as we saw of Mbakwe play quarterback, um, 
I believe we're going to utilize him as a defensive back, a corner. And so I know he played at that position as well. I, you just didn't see him as much. I'll be interested to see how he plays on the defensive side of the ball. Oh, he'll be great. He'll be he'll be he'll be phenomenal. Uh, you know, you know, they Clay Travel did give them credit. They did what they needed to do to uh, to be the best team they could be in high school, and that meant putting you know your best athlete on the field at quarterback and letting him make plays there. And of course, Craver, their wide receiver, committed to Mississippi State over the weekend, who's phenomenal as well. But uh, but yeah, he's going to be phenomenal in the secondary and uh, a playmaker. He can he can factor into special teams, and he's a guy too that you know you don't see this as much in Alabama because they've got so many athletes all over the field. But he's one of those guys that can play uh, play corner or play even safety possibly, and play some snaps on the offensive side too. You know, he's a guy that you know potentially uh, you know could be a guy that you say, hey, we're going to plug him in. You know five, eight, ten snaps a game on offense. And, of course, Ryan Williams, uh, just line him up and get him the ball, whether you put him in a slot, whether you put him out wide, uh, whether you put him in the backfield, uh, you know, catching punts, uh, returning kickoffs. Um, I mean, he is up there with, uh, in the hand, you know, in the handful of the best athletes I've ever seen at the high school level. I mean, he just is. He's just, uh, he's just almost, um, I mean, it's like Tyree Kill, um, Jalen Waddle going all, all, you know, all the way back to David Palmer, uh, except he's bigger than those guys. You know, he's taller than those guys. Same things with with Mbakwe. You know, they're both, you know, they're both I think six feet plus. And um, but to have them on the same team, if this works out where they do both, uh, you know, uh, sign with Alabama, wow, that's about all I can say. But that game, that six A game, was something else. The seven A game on Wednesday night was phenomenal game and uh, Central Phoenix City. Uh, beat Thompson and, and snapped Thompson's streak in four consecutive Class 6A or Class 7A state championship games, I should say. All the games were really, really good this year. You had the 7A game on um, Wednesday night. You had the 1A, 3A, 5A games on Thursday. And then you had the 2A, 4A, 6A games on Friday night. So a great show at Bryant-Denny Stadium for the AHSAA Super 7 state championships. And Ryan Williams expected to announced this morning at 9.15 that he's reclassifying into the class of 2024. So we'll keep you up to date on that. As I said, your phone calls are welcome on the First and Main Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. Explore First and Main Condominiums, luxury condominiums in beautiful, historic downtown Northport, Alabama. So it's 9.09. We are off and running here on the program. Uh, Sunday NFL, always fun. Bama in the NFL. Uh, guys everywhere as usual. Although yesterday, mixed results for some of the Bama guys, uh, including last night when Devontae Smith, um, you know, had some nice catches, but uh, put it on the ground a couple of times. And the Cowboys rolled the Eagles 33-13. That's two losses in a row for Philadelphia as they've gotten blown out by the Niners at home and the Cowboys on the road. And suddenly that NFC East, the Cowboys and the Eagles are tied atop the standings and both have won a game against each other this year. They split their two regular season meetings. So the Cowboys now back in the hunt for a number one seed in the NFC and the Eagles uh, suddenly struggling a little bit. When you're a team of that caliber and you lose two games in a row, uh, I think it's safe to say they're struggling. Also, the Chiefs and the Bills want to finish there in Kansas City. The Chiefs uh, lose to the then 6-6 six and six Bills. Controversy, Justin, did you see it? where the Chiefs uh, scored a touchdown, and it was the uh, Mahomes threw it to Kelsey. Kelsey made an incredible play to throw a backwards pass to Tony, and Tony scored what looked like it was gonna be the go-ahead touchdown, but Tony had lined up offsides. He had lined up past the center, 
And, you know, there's a lot of controversy about whether or not that should be called. But at the end of the day, uh, it wasn't like, I mean, it was a full, you know, his whole body was past the, the line of scrimmage. I, you know, I hate that a, a play like that is taken back, but sometimes it's just penalties that you have to call. And if you're a wide receiver, you know you can't line up, you know, past the line of scrimmage. Did you see the play in question, and what did you think of it? Yeah, I, I watched that game um, mostly in total after I watched my Seahawks get um, demolished there by the 49ers. But I think the, the outrage is a little misplaced. Like you just said, he's clearly um, – Offsides and and what we've heard Andy Reid, the head coach, and Patrick Mahomes both come out and complain about it. I, the Chiefs have gotten plenty of calls called their way in the past couple years that they've been on this run. Um, it's just, I, it's almost like uh, from what Mahomes said, it's almost like they wanted the caliber of player in Kelsey and the the impact of the play and basically winning the Chiefs the game to impact the call, to say that it shouldn't have been called because it won us the game. And that's just not real life. That's not football. And like you said, clearly offsides. So take the loss and move on. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, and, and listen, I, I hate it too. I think sometimes officiating is overboard these days in the NFL. It's been very inconsistent. It's been very inconsistent in college. It's a hard job. There are, I would like to see the rules tweaked a little bit in some of the, some of the you know, the contact to the quarterback and, and some of the personal fouls that are called to me are, are just, you know, they're over the, they're over the line. I mean, it's a, it's a collision sport. You've got to let people hit other people when they're playing football. Uh, I get the targeting. I understand the helmet to helmet wanting to get rid of that, but there are, you know, some of these personal fouls they call when a guy reaches his arm out and, you know, hits the quarterback in the shoulder or something like that is, is unbelievable. But uh, other NFL games that I took note of on Sunday, uh, the Texans with D'Amico Ryans as the head coach have been playing so well, but the Jets whipped them yesterday. And in that game, uh, Quentin Williams hit C.J. Stroud, and um, C.J. Stroud was uh, taken to the locker room and concussion protocol. Q said after the game that uh, he certainly didn't mean to hurt C.J. Stroud, but the Texans had been playing really, really well. And you saw the Lions lose to the Bears, man. Again, it's just always every Sunday in the NFL, it's a reminder that um, it's a reminder that they're all NFL teams, and, and the best team sometimes can lose to what we consider to be the worst team, although in the case of the Panthers, uh, and I got to ask you, too, about Bryce Young. I mean, it's, it's, it's gotten bad. I mean, it's, that offensive line is atrocious. He doesn't have a lot of playmakers, but he is struggling to the point now that, you know, you worry about him losing his confidence, Justin. I mean, I, I, really, I really looked at uh, that game that game yesterday and just it just thought I mean he's just he looks shell shocked back there I mean he he again they don't have a lot of help and I get it but man he's he's terrible right now and uh, that that offense is lost their defense actually played well against the Saints yesterday they had numerous opportunities including the first to go at the one yard line when they had to kick a field goal I mean it you know I I hope that Bryce can get through this season okay, and maybe during the offseason they can they can make some roster adjustments. But man, he uh, he appears to be lost right now. I I I don't think it's even so much a worry about uh, you know losing his confidence. It's it might be a worry about losing his health. I think he's taken so many shots at back there that he doesn't have time to throw the ball, let alone you know get through progressions or even just think for a millisecond because he, uh, I believe there was one play it was a play action pass 
And I think the second he pulls the ball back from the play action, he's got four guys in his face. It's it's a tough situation. I hope that they can – I don't know how, but I hope they can uh, get some players on that O-line and improve and actually let Bryce have a chance to improve himself. Yeah, quarterback is such a, a tough position. So you've got uh, Tua tonight, the Dolphins hosting the uh, Tennessee Titans. And, you know, that quite honestly figures to be a one-sided game. The Dolphins shouldn't have much problem, much of a problem with the struggling Titans. But Tua uh, has having a great year. Uh, Jalen's had a good year. Uh, Jalen Hurts, although he is, uh, I think he's safe to say he struggled a little bit the last couple of games. Uh, but then you've got Mac Jones has lost his job to, to Bailey Zappi in New England and don't know what's going to happen with him. And then Bryce Young, the old number one overall pick in this year's draft, you know, with a bad team and, and you know, they've won one game and uh, I don't see them winning another. I mean, they, I mean, they are, whew, they're bad on offense, man. They, they really, really, really are. And then I don't know if you saw this, Justin, but A.J. McCarron actually got in the game yesterday uh, when Browning went out for the Bengals against the Colts and he threw a touchdown pass and they got called back for offensive P.I. But uh, A.J., you know, with Burrow out and Browning as the uh, starting quarterback, A.J. is the uh, is the backup. And for his old team, he's back with the Bengals, and, and Browning had to go out. He came in and threw a touchdown pass, and they called offensive P.I., which kind of disappointed me. So, uh, but A.J. got in yesterday, too. Did you see that? I did. I'm, I'm super happy and excited for him, especially as um, we saw him play so good in the XFL. I thought he might get a chance once we – saw him go into the practice squad initially with the Bengals and then all the injuries that they've had. I mean, this is an experienced guy that's been with the team uh, with the Bengals for a number of years or previously had been with them for a number of years. So it was it was really good to see him back on the field in the NFL and, and making plays. Yeah, indeed. So four, five former Bama quarterbacks now in the NFL. We've gone down from four starting quarterbacks to three. But, um, again, I, who knows what's going to happen with Mac Jones? Who knows what's going to happen with Bill Belichick? I mean, the Patriots uh, did win um, their game this week, and so Bailey Zappi actually played pretty well. That was the, the Thursday night game over the Steelers. But, uh, you know, I don't know with, with Mac what's going on there. All right, it is 916, as I said, uh, 205-342-9904 is the number on the First of Main Condos hotline. We're wide open for phone calls in the next segment. Rodney Orr coming up at... Uh, at 9.30, Ryan Williams should be making his announcement right now. So we'll get the update on that. and should have it for you when we come back on the other side of the break. This hour being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of making. We'll be right back after this. University of Alabama. This is Crimson Tide today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama athletics. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama filled a fourth-ranked Purdue on Saturday in Toronto. Head coach Nate Oates joined us on the radio after the game. Two-point lead at halftime. What do you see from the Crimson Tide this ball game? Yeah, I mean, we couldn't handle leading. We got up bigs in foul trouble. It was a problem in the second half. You know, our kids fought, played well. We got to make free throws better. I mean, they, they, they were 24, 28. He didn't miss one. He's 11 of 11. You know, we didn't we get out-rebounded. That was an issue. And, and it wasn't just Edie. You know, they had 13 on boards for the team, and Edie only had two of them. So we got to do a better job boxing out some other guys. You know, I thought we, we fought. Uh, I, you know, can't, can't fall our effort. We just got to do a little bit better job executing some stuff. And we, we, Got to make some free throws. We got to rebound a little bit better. But we're, we're right there with all the best teams in the country. I, 
put us up against any of them. We'll, we'll get the thing fixed. We'll be ready to go next Saturday. I'll have more in a moment. There's no substitute for hard work. Just ask the Crimson Tide. At Dex Imaging, they know the meaning of hard work, too. You don't become the best in the office equipment business without it. If you need a copier and printer company that understands hard work, quality, dependability, and customer service, then give Dex Imaging a call or go to DexImaging.com. Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider of Alabama Athletics. Join us tonight for Hey Coach, presented by Alpha Insurance at Baumhauer's Victory Grill in Tuscaloosa at 6 p.m. Chris Stewart is your host, and he'll be joined by Crimson Tide head coaches Nate Oates and Christy Curry. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Dex Imaging. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. It's the holiday mystery sale at J. No. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny but very cool day today. Tuscaloosa's high 51. A freeze tonight, clear with a low at 29. The weather stays dry tomorrow and Wednesday. A good supply of sunshine both days. Highs between 55 and 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 38 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of The Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. All right, 921. Welcome back into The Gary Harris Show. And it has indeed happened. Ryan Williams the five-star out of Sarah Land High School in uh, South Alabama, has indeed announced his intention to reclassify to 2024. The Alabama commit will join a loaded group of uh, pass receivers uh, in the uh, Alabama class. And uh, this is a big, big uh, announcement because uh, there's no reason for him to play another high school football year. He's, he's ready for college football right now. As long as academically he's in, in shape to do it, which he is, uh, I don't blame him one bit, uh, Justin. I mean, you're talking about with Ryan Williams, a guy that's been a, a force since he was in the ninth grade. Yes, he could come back and play another high, year of high school football. But again, if he is uh, academically in position to reclassify, why play another year? Why take a chance on injury? This gives him a jump on his uh, college career, which is going to give him, as you know, a jump on his NFL career because the quicker he can get three years of uh, eligibility in, the quicker he can go on to uh, the National Football League. So I think this is a case where it's a win-win for everybody, don't you? I think so, too. I think, uh, and we were just talking about it in, that, in our first segment there, the the play that we saw on Friday, it he's ready. I think the sooner we get him into the building uh, here with Coach Saban and all the other um, players, the the better and Man, he's just really good. I'm excited to see him play in, in some crimson and white. He is electric. So Ryan Williams, Saraland High School reclassifying and will join the Alabama class of 2024, which is going to uh, boost Alabama's class even higher. Of course, it will it will take it down a notch for 2025 because you gain him in the 2024 class, but you lose him in the class of 2025, but that's a win. Uh, we're going to get to Steve here on the first of Maine Condos hotline in just a moment. Real quick mention, uh, you heard Roger Hoover on Crimson Tide today. Alabama basketball, Justin, they played their guts out um, Saturday up in Toronto, had a chance to win that game. 
as Coach Oates said, you let you let Purdue go 24-28 from the line. Uh, Edie goes 11 of 11. Alabama goes 9 of 14. Alabama made 19 threes and lost the game, which is very, very rare. I mean, you, you score uh, 57 points from the three-point line. <laughs> you expect to win the game. But <clears throat> when you get um, when you give up that many free throws, though, uh, you get 24 made free throws versus nine made free throws, and you wind up losing a six-point game. What do you think about it? I think it was a despite the loss i think it was a great game and it showed a lot of promise moving forward especially as we have creighton coming up this next saturday and then arizona the number one team as of right now after that uh, it's just hard to play against Edie. he's the best player in college basketball i think especially with his size it makes it hard for uh refs to call i think there's several calls that it were just not going alabama's way but it was also <laughs> It was a, it was a battle down there in the, in the paint and it was well how about how about calling three seconds occasionally that would help it yeah would help yeah your, your defense but he is a load I mean to be that big and then he goes 11 11 from the free throw line so it's not like you can foul him and put him at the line like you can a lot of these big guys because he knocks the free throws down but I'm with you I thought Alabama got better they've had three I hate to say it because a loss is lost but three quality losses to Ohio State Clemson and now to Purdue, and there's a chance, listen, they're going to lose Saturday at Creighton and, and lose to Arizona and Phoenix. I mean, when you play these kind of teams, uh, that's the risk you take, but it'll make you better in the long run. All right, let's jump out uh, on the First of Maine Condominiums Hotline and welcome in Steve. Good morning, Steve. Hi, Garrett. How are you? Doing well. Um, I've watched all levels of the football this year, Garrett. I've noticed a lot of these concussions, the player falls backwards in the back of his head, right. hits the turn. Yeah like Tua, the kid from Florida that got hurt and now yesterday Stroud. CJ Stroud, um, yeah, yeah. I know the I know the NFL's on the forefront of all this health and safety, but it seems like there's still a problem with the back of the helmet, with the back of the head. Have have you noticed that, Gary? Well, yeah, I, I think some of it is just the nature of the fall. You know, it's one of those things, even with a helmet on, you know, and those helmets are, you know, they're state of the art and and uh, but when you you know, when you fall and you just think about it, and and you can't brace your fall, and yeah. you fall back, and your head hits that turf or that grass. Even with a helmet, it is a jarring, it is a jarring uh, event, and you know it's just it's one of those things, Steve, where uh, we have talked about this. No matter how safe you try to make the game, you just can't you can't legislate injuries out of the game. It, they're going to happen in. And, uh, you know, they've done everything they can with the head, the helmet to helmet contact as far as a penalty. And, the, you know, but when you're in a position where you're hit and you're falling backwards and you can't brace that fall and your head then snaps and hits against that turf, you're right. It's scary. I saw CJ Stroud's uh, head snap and you're like, man, wow, that's rough. So, but I don't know. I think they've made the helmets uh, as safe as they can make them. You know, they've got, I mean, they're, you know, got all the, modern uh, you know materials available and they're light as they can make them and still get and still get the, the padding in there and then, of course they've got the, the headphones that are run through the helmet so the quarterback can talk to the sideline but uh, I just don't know you just you just hope you know football is just one of those games that you know there's there's still going to be as long as there's contact allowed there's going to be injuries but I'm with you I, I, I that's a terrible that's a terrible Oh, way to fall, and that causes a lot of concussions, no doubt about it. Did you happen? I know you're working, Gary. I know you got to see some of it. That little five thing just amazes me. Yeah, um, yeah, they're good. You know, it's 
they play both ways. And those kids, they when they score, they don't celebrate. You know, I even saw them helping some of those other kids up on the other team. And uh, it just seems like they never get tired. They're just, you know, whatever he's built up there, it's amazing what he's done up there. Yeah, they're as disciplined a team as you're going to find. And as you said, uh, uh, got great sportsmanship. And, and they play a style of football that's very difficult when they're in seat to defend. It's just that a lot of kids don't want to play that way. They don't want to play that style of football. A lot of coaches don't want to coach it. So you've got to have a special uh, environment, a special community of people that buy in. And that entire community buys in. They look forward to playing football from the time they're little boys and they're in the same system. And uh, they're a powerhouse. There's no doubt about it. Five at, 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 at their level is as dominant as any program in the state. And well-coached, well-disciplined as you. Yeah, they're, they're fun to watch. And, and they just they just grind you and line up and, and, just, and just do their thing, man. And, and uh, you know, it, it's effective for them. It really is. It's amazing how they go both ways. And I know a lot of kids go both <laughs> ways, too. But, but you know, they don't look like they have that many players. I don't know how many they, they have at that level. Uh, I've never been up in that part of the country. I guess it's up around Sand Mountain. It is, yeah, northeast Alabama, yeah. But it's just amazing what he's done. I guess it's just the culture that he's built up there. Yeah, that has a lot to do with it. I agree 100%. I mean, they've got a, they've got a good culture. And like I said, they just the kids grow up there. They want to play football for Fife from the time they're little boys. They're learning that system. Uh, they get into junior high, and, and some of them are exposed to the varsity level then with practices and weight workouts. And, you know, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a heck of a program, man. And that's the great thing about it. I'm glad you mentioned that. You don't – obviously, the 6A and the 7A games are where you're dealing with the most high-caliber athletes. But right. those small schools, man, they got some good football teams. Fife is a powerhouse, and, uh, you know, they just keep on winning championships, man. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, thank you, Gary. You have, you have a good day. Thank you, Steve. 929 here on the Gary Harris Show. We're going to break away and come back with Rodney Orr from TiderInsider.com and Tider Insider TV talking Bama football next right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. It's time to ring in the new year right. Bama, a winner over the Georgia Bulldogs claiming the SEC title. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 on New Year's Day on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner. Free has evolved. It will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just 8 849. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Follow Tide 100.9 on Facebook today to watch our live shows. Read the great articles and interact with Bama fans today. Tider Insider TV and 
and he'll be uh, delivering his brand new book soon. We're going to keep an eye out for that. I'll ask Rodney about that before we uh, finish up the segment as I know it's getting close. Rodney, good morning. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Doing well, and and we're greeted by the news that Ryan Williams, who is arguably, uh, you know, the best player in the class of 2025 in the country, is now going to be in the class of 2024, and he is moving up and reclassifying and be able to join Alabama for next season. That that news coming this morning, that is big because he's ready now, and uh, the fact that he can do it academically and go ahead and, and join this class, of course, it's going to move up Alabama's class ranking in 2024. I guess the 2025 class ranking will take a hit a little bit, but uh, big news this morning out of Sarah Land. Yeah, no, I think it's something that we had expected. We had talked about on your segment here on Tider and Satter TV as well and, you know, TiderandSatter.com for, for months and months and months that, you know, this was a, something that was a consideration and, uh, you know, certainly you want to allow him to make his announcement and he did today, you know, that uh, just a little bit ago I actually got to watch it. He announced that he, you know, of course, as you said, is reclassifying, but also uh, he's going to participate in the Under Armour All-American game here in early January. I think it's January the 3rd. So, uh, you know, he's, he's actually sped things up, obviously, quite a bit. And, you know, good for him. And right now, great for Alabama because, like you said, he he is a difference maker. He's a guy that, uh, you know, when you, you watched him on Friday night with Jalen Mbakwe, you know, the Alabama commitment from Clay Chalkville, who probably played in the secondary as a corner, but – you know, could do a lot of different things too. And those two guys dominated the game, that state championship game. And, you know, to be able to bring two guys in and that in this class of that magnitude is, is just, you know, pretty incredible. Yeah. And after the game too, it was, uh, you see how sometimes these, these commits, uh, uh, these recruits bond during the course of their, their recruitment. And those two guys made a point to spend time with each other after the game. And then of course, later they, they zoomed with each other. Why, uh, while uh, uh, Williams uh, stayed in Tuscaloosa to visit on Saturday. And, and uh, again, you're talking about two guys now coming into the same class that are as dynamic of playmakers as you might find in the country. And you mentioned Mbakwe's probably going to play corner. Uh, Williams is going to play everywhere on offense. I mean, you can see him in the slot. You can see him at wide receiver. You can see him in the backfield. Uh, and you can see them both in terms of, of, of the punt return and kick return game. And, and I wouldn't be shocked, Rodney, and Alabama doesn't have to do this often because they have so much talent spread across the field. But in Bachway's the kind of kid that, you know, even if he's a corner, you might see him occasionally on offense. He's got that, you know, certainly has that ability. Uh, Clay Chalkville played him at quarterback because he gave him the best chance to win. But you could, you could see him, I think, potentially play on both sides of the ball a little bit. Yeah, I think, too, when you have these guys of this magnitude, kick return games should be in great hands as well, you know? I mean, I think you could, they're very electric players, and, uh, you know, with their, with their like you said, with, the, with their hands on the ball. And um, so, yeah, I mean, certainly you could see, you know, I, I think just about anything in that regard, you know, with these two. And, you know, you start looking at this class, and I think the one thing that really strikes me is, uh, you know, just how Nick Saban, especially at, 72 years old is uh it, it it almost seems like there's a little bit of a uh re-energizing of the program going on right now i mean we just see them coming off the win over georgia but a lot of people predicted uh and we're predicting middle last season uh the, the the 2022 season that alabama was slipping uh you know and and those types of things that saban was slipping you know went on to have the number one recruiting class they come back they win the sec championship they beat Georgia, who hadn't lost in 29 games, 
and now you've you've just got players that just seem like they you know it's it's just like it's been. Uh, you've got a lot of great players that are extremely interested in Alabama and you know committing to Alabama. And now you got the transfer portal, and there's some names out there that uh, are very interested in Alabama. So to me, um, you know, it doesn't look like uh, the Nick Saban train in terms of just bringing in talent is slowing down at all. No, not at all. It's a statement season. And again, a lot of things have happened this year uh, for Saban to win the, his ninth SEC title at Alabama, his 11th overall. Of course, Coach Bryant had 14 SEC titles. Uh, and now, the, you know, there's not been a senior class that's coming in Alabama under Saban that has not won a national championship. He's never gone more than three years without one. And um, that's still on the table, too. Two more wins in, in the biggest statement, Rodney, after bouncing back the way this team did after the early loss to uh, Texas and the dismal, you know, the dismal performance at South Florida. Uh, the biggest statement would be to win another national championship, and, th- and this team finds itself now two wins away, uh, beginning with the game in the Rose Bowl uh, on New Year's Day against the Michigan Wolverines. So the statement might not be finished; it might not be complete yet. This uh, this could be the ultimate statement if this team wins the national championship. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have to kind of laugh because I'm as you're saying that I'm thinking back to September the ninth. In Tuscaloosa, outside Bryant Denny Stadium, you know, uh, uh, yeah, it really does. You know, an hour after the game, and you know, the Texas bands down there on Sorority Road playing the eyes of Texas are upon you. That could be a rematch. I mean, again, you know, you got to take care of Michigan, and things would have to fall into place. But uh, it's pretty incredible, though, because I remember, of course, getting blown up by a lot of my Texas friends. A lot of them were in Bryant Denny Stadium, and. You know, they were celebrating the big win and very excited and uh, all of those types of things. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, and, and, and I didn't want to tell them this, Gary, to be honest with you, because I didn't want to, you know, uh, ruin their, their joy of the moment. But my, my thought was, guys, y'all didn't beat a real Alabama team. And I say that to say this, that very moment, and I think you felt the same way. We probably talked about it. You know, you just you just said this this isn't the the Alabama that we've seen. I mean, right. you know, can it, can this team uh, come together and make a run? And and I think you know, to me, I'd pretty much resign myself to, you know, this could be a this could be a three loss team. This could be a four loss team. You know, and they 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 had some games that were really close. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, it could it could have been that. But the 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 thing was that Alabama found ways to win those games. They found ways to improve. They found ways to to really come together, and uh, you know to get where they are right now. And I, I think it's probably Nick Saban's best uh, coaching job that I've seen overall. I would say that you know the way he's managed this team and brought them along, and I think too the players, the way they've it's just obvious they bought in. I mean, this is a they went from a team that was really struggling, didn't seem to have an identity, to now you started you've seen players over the course of the last six weeks, whether it's Jalen Milrow or whether it's Terry on Arnold and what I'm getting at, Isaiah Bond, uh, different ones. You're starting to see stars develop like we used to see. You know, guys that you said, Hey, these guys are top level players. Uh, you know, they've got the Alabama kind of uh, mindset that Nick Saban's always uh, kind of embedded into his teams and his players. And you, and you started to see that again. And, and I think, too, you know, this team showed, a, especially against Georgia to me, you saw that, that, that hunger, you know, that, that we used to see with the way they played. 
and, and I think all of those things are very encouraging. Now, of course, like you said, you've got to carry it over over the next month, and you go out to the Rose Bowl and play Michigan to set up uh, potential opportunities to to uh, you know win another national championship. Rodney Orr with us from TiterInsider.com, Titer Insider TV. Speaking of uh, of Nick Saban, and again, there's been a lot of speculation floating around out there. I think some of it maybe is uh, fueled by by rival fan bases and rival programs, but a lot of chatter about uh, you know uh, if Saban wins a national championship, maybe this this will be it. Uh, you know, again, he is 72 years old, but at the same time, uh, watching him work this past week, watching him keep the travel schedule getting into homes, hosting recruits over the weekend. Um, I, again, I don't know. I just, he's so organized. I think he's the type of coach that when he does get ready to go, he'll have an exit strategy. And there's nothing that I see from him that indicates to me that he's doing anything other than working on building this program for the future. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe you'd still want to recruit just as hard, but he looks like a guy who, uh, you know, is, is 100% as, as sold as he's ever been on not just what is happening right now, but on building this program for the future. I mean, this was an unbelievable week that he just put in the books uh, as the head coach of the Crimson Tide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think so. I think, you know, obviously he's been out on the road. I think he's going to California today, actually, to visit Julian Sayan and Zabian Brown. Of course, Sayan, the quarterback, five-star quarterback, Zabian Brown is a a four-star corner that's committed to Alabama as well. And you know, I'm sure he'll see some others while he's out there. But, uh, you know, he's in Texas last week. Uh, he's making the rounds, uh, you know, with this class, but also for future classes. Um, so, I mean, he was out in Texas last week trying to flip one of Texas's commitments, Aaron Hampton, a receiver. Uh, but, you, you know, with all that said, I agree with you. I don't I don't see him. I don't see an indication right now. You're, we've heard a lot of buzz behind the scenes. There's people who have suggested that, you know, maybe this is it, regardless whether they win the national championship or not, that, you know, Saban's stepping down. I mean, this is what has kind of been some of the buzz. You start looking and watching and kind of getting a feel for, okay, how is he reacting? How What is he doing since this SEC championship game? And he's working as hard as ever. I mean, he, he's all over the place recruiting. And here's the thing, Gary. It's, it, it, it's not just that. He's got a loaded roster for the future, whether it's next year or the next year, you know, however far you can look down the line. He's got a loaded roster. He's got guys that are still clamoring to come here, and I'm talking top players. It's a little bit more difficult now. I mean, obviously, with NIL and the transfer portal, just managing your roster, managing your players, the attitudes and all of those things, the culture that you have, it's extremely difficult. So I'm sure that's something that, you know, has really weighed on him. But again, he's got players that they're he's got a full roster and all of these things. He's got guys wanting to come. I mean, top players that anybody would want. Uh, but he's also probably doing a better job of evaluating guys that are the right fits want to be here for the right reasons, want to be developed. And I think all of that is very important, not only for your culture, you know, obviously for the chemistry of the future teams. So I don't see him doing anything from a managing perspective of, of his roster, of his program that shows me he's slowing down. Uh, so right now, I mean, I'd probably say I hate to break the news to some people that uh, would love to see him step aside, but uh, I mean, I, I still think he's going full steam ahead from what I can see. 
I do too. Some news this past week about Ja'Cory Brooks going into the portal, and and every indication is that you know he won't be a part of the of the uh, bowl preparations for the uh, Rose Bowl or the College Football Playoff semifinal. You know, this is one of those that you know. I want to ask you what happened. I mean, you know, two years ago he was the you know the hero of the Iron Bowl, and then last year had a really good season, uh, had a solid season. He's got ten career touchdown catches, and and going into this year, we thought he would be arguably you know the top wide receiver on the on the team with Jermaine Burton, and uh, it just didn't happen. Um, you know, there's some rumors that he you know during fall camp got in the doghouse a little bit, that he battled some injuries, and really was a non-factor this season. Rodney, what happened in uh, you know, what do you hear with Ja'Cory Brooks? What went wrong? I don't know what all went into it. I, I, like you said, I mean, I heard way back when, back in the summer, that uh, he wasn't having a very good summer, uh, you know, and, and the things that they were doing. I don't know if it had something to do with an injury. I, I, you know, again, I don't want to say a specific injury because I don't know exactly. I heard a few things, but maybe he was a little banged up, and there were some things maybe, I, again, I'm not trying to say he's an attitude issue at all because I don't know that, you know, I see some people have speculated that, but I just don't think he ever, you know, really got to where he needed to be, uh, mentally, uh, back in the summer. And then once it got into fall camp, I think things kind of continue to, to kind of trickle down for him a little bit. And we didn't see him much. We saw him spot duty at times, um, you know, and it just, it was kind of an odd situation for a guy, like you said, who was already so established and, you know, done some really good things since his freshman year. I mean, nobody will ever forget the catch he made against Auburn and down there in 2021 that sent the game into overtime. But, um, so I really don't know a hundred percent, you know, with, with him, Ja'Cory Brooks, but, uh, you know, obviously he's, he's decided he's going to move on. Um, uh, you know, and he put out a really nice kind of note to Alabama Nation on on Twitter. Um, so uh, again, I don't know where he'll he'll end up. But the one good thing is, I mean, like I said, these, the Alabama's receiving room looks really good. And now you're bringing in Ryan Williams this year, who's you know trying, as we mentioned reclassified, and you got Jamie French, a five star out of Jacksonville, Florida, who's committed for 2025. So. Uh, you know, I think Alabama, when you look at that wide receiver room, will be just fine. Rodney, it's, uh, you know, we're we're over a week now from the college football playoff selection show. And yet this this furor over Florida State not getting selected, just it won't go away. And I understand it's fueled by social media. A lot of people uh, that have platforms that people listen to and watch and read just continue to keep this going. Uh, and And somehow they've turned this into... Um, not Florida State not getting in the Final Four, but Alabama <laughs> being the reason. And, you know, Texas is also in with one loss. Um, there's four teams that go in. I get it. If I were a Florida State fan, I've, I've said this for the record, I'd be upset too. But, you know, I was upset last year. I thought Alabama maybe should have got in last year with two losses. I mean, when you looked at, you know, uh, their their body of work, but it didn't happen. And so, you know, at what point do you move on? You know, at what point do you uh, you think that, that we will move on to the fact that we've got four teams and that Florida State's playing Georgia in the Orange Bowl, or do you just think this is just going to continue? You know, some of people will keep it going. I mean, if you look on Twitter, uh, I really don't know exactly what their agenda is. I mean, there's some who say that the system is corrupt. <laughs> I, I really don't understand that. 
you know, that the SEC, you know, pushed a team through because the SEC has power and clout and Alabama shouldn't have been there. Uh, but I bet you who's saying that is if Georgia would have won that game, 27-24, would Georgia, would they have said that about Georgia? Of course not. Because Georgia would have been 30 wins in a row and all that. So, but Alabama goes in and beats Georgia. So, how do you say an SEC champion that's played like Alabama's played throughout this season, 9 0 in the SEC, they beat Georgia 29 straight wins, longest win streak in SEC history? Um, You know, I, I don't really get that when you're talking about Florida State. Look, People don't want, and no offense, I mean, look, Florida State played a great year. It's unfortunate that the quarterback went down with an injury for him, for the team, and for their opportunities to play in the playoffs. All of that is unfortunate. But the fact is, they're not the same team. You know, they weren't the same team at the end of the year. And, again, it's unfortunate that that situation happened, uh, but you don't, you can't, um, you, you can't use that against another team, a deserving team. Aren't the best teams supposed to? Aren't the best teams? Wouldn't you say that the best teams are the most deserving teams? Um, I would, and and I don't think there's any of those four teams that are in the playoffs that probably right now aren't considered better than Florida State by most everybody universally. So I mean, I, I just I really don't understand what exactly you know, some of this is, but I mean, it is what it is. Like you said, I think it's going to probably continue. All right, Ryan, before we close out the segment, um, of course, we talked about Ryan Williams and Jalen and Bakway coming in in 2024. Um, Signing day, be here before you know it. Of course, it's portal season as well, but uh, any other recruiting tidbits that you can pass along? Um, you know, we've been saying this for weeks and weeks. I think Steve M, what's what we call him in Boa. I'm not really sure exactly how he pronounces his last name from Canada. Been saying this for weeks and weeks and weeks. Barring a late change, and he was visited this past weekend. Defensive lineman, four-star rated player out of California. I'm sorry, out of Canada, um, Quebec. He is. Uh, I expect him to sign with Alabama in the early signing period. So I feel really good about that. He's a good-looking defensive line prospect, about 6'3", 6'4", 270, 275. Very, very athletic. He's got the frame to get bigger. Um, so I, I expect him to pick Alabama in the early signing period. Favor Edwin is a 6'8", 290-pound offensive tackle from over in McDonough, Georgia, who was here this weekend on an official visit. And, uh, you know, he was kind of, he's been kind of leaning to Auburn, I, I think, since Alabama, if you want to say, did not get or lost Jordan Seaton, the number one offensive tackle in the country last week when he committed to Colorado. Uh, Alabama's now kind of making more of a push in this direction with favor Edwin. So he had a visit this weekend. I would say watch him. Uh, Tristan Jernigan out of Mississippi, out of Tupelo, committed to Texas A&M. He's a linebacker. He was in on an official visit this weekend as well. I know I spoke to, I've been speaking to sources regularly in Mississippi about him and other players over there for this year and next year. But, um, you know, they said, look, if he doesn't flip, uh, if he, if he may stick with Texas A&M, he may look at Ole Miss, uh, but he came in on this visit this week and Alabama's going to turn up the heat a little bit more on him as time has gone, gone along. 
But now it was brought to my attention, Gary, so we might as well just mention it. We've talked about this many times, the impact that NIL can have on a prospect. And, you know, how Texas A&M has used NIL. And, you know, my sources in Mississippi said that they've used that, you know, to, to lure, you know, some players from over there. And, and that that may be a factor uh, with, with Jernigan. And he's supposed to visit, uh, oh, uh, rather, he's supposed to visit Texas A&M again before signing day. So I really don't know if that's going to play an impact in his final decision or not. We'll, we'll just have to see. But I would just say that it was strongly uh, hinted to me that, that it certainly could play a decision, uh, play a part in his decision uh, here in the early signing period. Great stuff as always, Rodney. We're really up against the clock, but I know you're finishing up your book. Uh, when do you think we might uh, might see it on the bookshelves? You know, I wish I could tell you. Hopefully very soon. Uh, I'm meeting with the publisher again tomorrow, Gary, actually. And uh, we hope that it'll go to print this week. And then, you know, from there, it's kind of unpredictable. It could be 10 days, could be three weeks. We just really don't know. So hopefully very soon, hopefully before Christmas, uh, you know, we'll have it ready to go. And it'll certainly be out there. Uh, people will be able to find In fact, they could go there right now if they wanted to go, go to rodneyor.com and, and kind of look at uh, what's there. And But hopefully very, very soon. And uh, I know you're, like you said, you're running short here of time. So uh, maybe we can talk about it later. We will. We definitely will. And TiderInsider.com, still just $48 a year. Follow up Rodney on Twitter at Tider Insider. And tomorrow night, Tider Insider TV at 630 on WVUA 23. Thanks, Rod. Okay, thank you, Gary. Take care. All right, we'll be back to wrap up the first hour of the Gary Harris Show right after this. Is dedicated to serving our clients. For when your finances are in perfect order, it just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and and feel good about your money. You're listening to the Gary Harris Show. On your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 957. That's going to wrap it up for the first hour of the Gary Harris Show. This hour has been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Second hour is on the way. Casey Smith on golf at uh, 1030. More of your phone calls. Gary Harris, Justin Jones, another hour to go right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Roscoe's has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Roscoe's in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Roscoe's features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Roscoe's with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. 
Here's Nick Cope. On Sunday in the NFL, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes and coach Andy Reid were both critical of the officiating after they lost to the Bills 20-17, to highlighting the flag that was thrown against receiver Kadarius Toney for lining up offsides. Mahomes said every week we're talking about something in reference to officials, and Andy Reid called it a bit embarrassing. Well, NFL media reports this morning that the league will be reviewing those comments from both Mahomes and Reid. NFL media also reporting Packers running back Aaron Jones is not expected to play tonight against the Giants because of a knee injury. On Sunday Night Football, Cowboys rolled past the Eagles 33-13, winning their fifth straight. Dak Prescott 271 yards, two touchdowns. 49ers also won their fifth straight over the Seahawks 28-16. Brock Purdy threw for a career-high 368 yards. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news, only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. Contrary to some media reports, the Palace Bingo Hall in Green County near the Tuscaloosa County line is not open. The owners say they will notify on Facebook if they do open. A change.org petition demanding Northport City Council President Jeff Hogg resign has now got 122 signatures. It was begun on November the 30th. There were no tornado warnings when two EF2 tornadoes hit Jefferson County Saturday night, but ABC 3340 Chief Meteorologist James Ben says that's not unusual during December. For the latest local news in Tuscaloosa, Bama Sports Updates. And severe weather information, download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news and sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV. Crimson Tide kickoff. Play-by-play for Alabama sports and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I'm Gary Harris. Justin Jones is in the control room taking your phone calls on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. We'd love to hear from you in this second hour. Casey Smith on golf will join us at uh, 1030. All the latest golf happenings, plus uh, John Rahm uh, leaving the PGA Tour to go to live. It's now official. And we'll discuss that in depth with uh, Casey Smith at 1030. So let us hear from you in this second hour. This hour, the Gary Harris Show is being brought to you by Patterson Cobra Attorneys at Law. If you need a personal injury attorney, I would suggest that uh, you hire Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. Feet on the ground in West Alabama, I think that's important. Uh, you can call one of the 800 firms and uh, they'll represent you. But at the same time, you might not ever meet that lawyer. You'll only talk to them on the phone in a lot of cases. That's not the case with Patterson Comer. Mike and Paul are here in Tuscaloosa and Northport. And if they come to an agreement with you, they'll be with you all the way. Even if you have to go to court, one of them will be in the courtroom with you. And remember, there's never any money out of pocket unless they win for you. It's on a contingency. So Patterson Comer Law Firm, Tuscaloosa and Northport. Find out more at pattersoncomer.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right, let's jump right back into some good sports talk. Gary and Justin here with you. And uh, uh, getting back to um, the NFL on Sunday and that Kansas City-Buffalo game, because Buffalo had to have that game. 
I mean, they were six and six. Uh, their playoff hoops clinging by a thread. They're in Kansas City, and they have a huge win. The Bills are still, you know, they're still a really talented team. And had they fought, dropped to six and seven, it might have been over. And of course, the controversy at the end of the game. I tell you what, just, Justin, I would expect that you're going to see Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes get fined for their post-game comments, criticizing the officiating. And again, there are missed calls in every game, and some of them are egregious at times. But that play that Kansas City is so upset about, as we talked about, was not a missed call. Kadarius Tony, and I know a lot of people have said, well, shouldn't the official ask him to back up? Not necessarily. I mean, that's the 11th time I think that's been called this year. Offensive offsides is what it's called. It's not, it's not a legal procedure, but it's offensive offsides when a guy lines up ahead of the football. And, again, I looked at it last night, and, I mean, he's got his entire body past the line of scrimmage. That's on him. And, yeah, it nullified an incredible play, an unbelievable play by Mahomes, by Kelsey, and by Tony as well. But in this case... You know, you've got the head coach and the quarterback blasting the NFL officiating for a bad call. Why don't you? Why don't you coach them better? You know, why don't? Why don't? Why don't you blast your player? I mean, um, Justin, we talked about it in the first hour. The guy was lined up offsides. Yeah, he 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 was, and I think the the argument that Andy Reid has made is that the official typically gives a warning uh, for that. Um, or helps the player out. They're supposed to check in with the official if he's on the line. I don't. Yeah, that's think, all he had to do is he could he could yeah. wave at the official and ask. I don't. I don't he think he do even looked though, Gary. I don't think he turned his head, and that's why the official had to uh, had to throw that flag. Yeah, I had to, and he threw it very early. I mean, he threw it right off the snap, so it's not like you know Kelsey had caught the ball and was in the process of you know throwing it back to Tony, and then the flag came down. The flag came down right at the snap. The official saw the guy was offsides, and he threw the flag. So I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL. Uh, issue some type of uh, uh, statement and finds both Reed and, and Mahomes because they were, I mean, they were rough with their comments. In fact, uh, um, Reed called it an embarrassment for the NFL. So, also yesterday, as I've said before, following the Falcons for all these years, nobody could snatch defeat from the jaws of victory quicker than the Atlanta Falcons. I'll tell you that right now. They're they're as good at it as anybody that I have ever seen at snatching. Defeat from the jaws of victory. They did it yesterday against the Bucks, and now that NFC South, somebody's got to win it. Somebody's got to win it. But you got three, six, and seven teams: the Falcons, the Bucks, and the Saints. And of course, the Panthers with just one win. Uh, and then tonight, Titans at Dolphins. I don't see much hope for the Titans in this one against that explosive Miami team. But uh, who knows? Um, maybe Derrick Henry will have a, a big game for Tennessee. All right, we're going to jump out right now on the first or on the uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline. And uh, we got Roland and then Lewis. Roland, good morning, man. How are you? Hey, Gary. You're doing good. I hope you're doing well this morning. Yes, sir. Uh, Gary, I get, you know, I know it's been a week now, but I get so tired of hearing these talking heads and all that across the country, you know, uh, talking about this. And they don't give all the facts. They give whatever uh, fits their agenda. You know, like one of, one of the facts that they give was, well, the ACC was seven, six and three against ACC. Well, I, I knew this before they even said it last week. Look at the wins the ACC's got against the SEC. I, I, Florida beat, I mean, uh, FSU beat uh, LSU, and I give them credit for that. But if you look at some of their other defeats, you know, it's it's the their our worst teams against some of their better teams, and they don't dare to give that. And then I was looking at a shirt online the other day, and it, uh, it was talking about 
uh, the shirt had some kind of line about FSU getting cheated. And when they, uh, on the cheat part, uh, when they got to letter A, they had to strip A for Alabama. Like, is Alabama's fault that they're, they're not in? Alabama, you know, deserved to be in. I mean, there, anybody that's got a football knowledge, uh, can see that Alabama deserves in as much as anybody. And, you know, I hate it for the kids at Florida State. But, you know, with our quarterback out, uh, you know, that's one of the criteria that the committee has to look at. And I understand it. And, and some of these people are saying, you know, well, they didn't follow this and they didn't follow that. Follow that. The committee followed everything that they, they was put forth by them. And I'm not always, uh, uh, you know, in favor of the committee and all that because I think they do screw up sometimes on some things, the way they, way they put these teams in order and all that. I thought they did that this year. Because there's no way that Oregon should have been behind Alabama. I mean, been in front of Alabama and Texas, and they were. But you know, the committee got it right, and and you know, it just it just disturbs me that they won't make Alabama the bad guy. Well, it, it's you know, we've talked a lot about it. It's kind of the nature of it. Um, Alabama's been at the top now for you know 15 years, and. Um, you know, they won six national championships under Saban, got a chance to win for a seventh. And uh, Florida State had a phenomenal year. Uh, the system is flawed. I mean, it, you know, it, it's, it's, we got five power conferences. We have four spots. And as I've said on the radio, this is uh, amazing that it took this long for this to really have uh, this type of impact and have this kind of logjam, you know. And uh, Florida State, you know, it's too bad they're not in. Uh, but you can only take four teams. And I'm with you. I think when you look at Alabama's body of work, it's more impressive than Florida State's body of work, and particularly when you consider that, that Jordan Travis is out as the quarterback for Florida State. That changes that team. Uh, whether we like it or not, you can only take four. And uh, I'm with you. I mean, I'm ready to move on. And, um, you know, I understand Florida State's bitter, and, and they won every game they played, but they've got a chance to make a statement. They've got a chance to beat uh, a really good Georgia team in the Orange Bowl. And I tell you that, if they do that, then – you know, there'll be even more discussion. So uh, I'm with you, Roland. I think you got to move on. Uh, we got the four teams in the playoff. I think it's going to be a great playoff. And I think Alabama's got a chance to win the national championship. And when they beat Georgia, um, I think that's when they, that's when they absolutely uh, punch their ticket. Hey, thanks for the call, Roland. We're going to keep it going down and go to Lewis uh, up in Nashville. Good morning, Lewis. Hey, hey, Gary. Uh, good morning. Love the First show. First of all, you guys, you guys okay up there after the tornado? Yes, thanks, Gary. Uh, I live in Donaldson, and we missed it. Uh, but uh, Madison, Goodlettsville, kind of north of Nashville and all the way up to Clarksville, they got hit pretty hard. So, yeah, uh, appreciate you asking. But uh, most of Nashville proper didn't get it, but a little north of town, it, it, there was pretty serious damage, and unfortunately, from loss of life. So our thoughts and prayers are with them. Yeah, absolutely, for sure, 100%. Okay, Gary, I'd like to kind of make a statement, then I'd like to get your input on it. You know, watching the uh, uh, Iron Bowl this year, of course, it was the 10th anniversary of the kick six, and I I, I got kind of tired of how that kept getting brought up and replayed and so forth, but I get it. The Auburn people, that's a big moment for them, and Chris Davis that returned the the missed field goal, he'll always be a hero to Auburn, but you know, we had a couple of players in that uh, drive in 2021 that, uh, per, you know, that let us pull one out of the fire in the Iron Bowl there at Jordan Hare. That was, of course, 
Corey Brooks uh, touchdown uh, reception, you know, just helped put us in that overtime, and it was a great play. And, and even I know this guy, his career didn't end on the best note, but Dalil Billingsley caught a pass on a fourth down that had had we not completed that, the game would have been over. So, you know, those guys to me, I know uh, Billingsley did not have near the career that Brooks did, but uh, you know, to me, they were heroes in the Iron Bowl, and so, especially to Corey Brooks, I wish him well, and I'd just like to hear uh, your thoughts on that, Gary. I'm going to hang up so I can hear better. Love your show. All right, thank you, Lewis. Yeah, I already talked about to Corey with Rodney Orr earlier. Uh, he was a really good player. Um, you know, came on late in his freshman year, as you said, caught that touchdown pass, and and um, to force the overtime. And then last year had a really good year. Has 10 career touchdown catches at Alabama. And uh, you know what happens now? Guys leave, and you mentioned uh, you mentioned Billingsley. Yeah, it didn't work out for him, but that was a that was a, you know as big a play as there was in the game. You're right on that fourth down. He ran that little crossing pattern. And caught that ball uh, from from Bryce and got out of bounds to stop the clock and keep the drive alive. Because you're right, if they don't convert right there, the game's over. So uh, it was a great play, and uh, both those guys will always, I think, have a you know have a spot in Alabama fans' hearts because of uh, you know their contributions to Alabama football, particularly in that game. And in Brooks' case, as I said last year in 2022, he was he was one of Alabama's better receivers. So um, you know it's. Um, it's the way it goes. You know, it doesn't work out for everybody at every school. We've seen players left and right go in the portal sometimes, you know, two and three and four times now. So, but I, I'm with you. I think anytime someone plays at Alabama and they contribute to the, the program, I think Alabama fans are the best about, uh, about remembering them. And, and Ja'Cory Brooks will always be spoken in a positive light uh, because of his contributions to the program and particularly in that, that Iron Bowl in 2021. But then, the, really the entire season of 2022. And and uh, Jalil Billingsley, who had a you know up and down career at Alabama and then went to Texas and you know didn't last there and wound up trying to play football in the Canadian Football League. But um, you know, he had some big catches two years ago. He he was a talented guy. You know, they've got a guy now in Nye Black that's very similar type player, a, a, a tight end that's more like a wide receiver. So, you know, both those guys made significant contributions to Alabama football and and uh, particularly in Brooks' case, I think he'll be remembered as a you know a really good player for Alabama. All right, thanks for that uh, for that phone call. We're gonna keep it uh, we're gonna keep it rolling, and I think we've got uh, let's see who we got up next. We got JD. Hey JD, uh, in Kentucky. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Uh, how you doing today? Doing well. I just want to shout out to Lewis. He's not too far from me. I'm actually in Cairo City, so Dawson Dawson Springs ain't too far. I think it's cool to hear somebody not too far from me. Um, I'm a big Bama fan, always been all my life. Um, but I was kind of, you know, when you when I was looking at kind of the quarterback room, you know, we got uh, Milrow right now. We got uh, Butner transferring. We got Ty Simpson, who's not far from me either. His uh, his family's from Martin, Tennessee. Right. And then we got the freshman quarterback from Georgia. And then we got this, you know, this young guy. I can't remember his name at the moment. Who's coming in as well uh, next year. We got four quarterbacks um, that, at least for me now, you know, you I might be wrong, but they seem like they have similar uh, aspects where they they can run, they can throw. Um, how is that going to look up next year? You know, when it comes to you know, we'll probably, you know, you do think Milrow's going to be back, um, but who's going to be like the second string? Um, who's going to be the third string? How how is that going to line up? And do you think that anybody's going to transfer, or do you think that 
if they all have the kind of the same way of playing when it comes to the uh, playing as a quarterback? Do you think they'll all stay and, and hopefully get some playing time? Or how, how does that look to you? And um, and the last thing I want to ask is, uh, what are your thoughts on the Michigan game? Um, and how 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 is Alabama lined up uh, compared to Michigan this year? Yeah, JD, great uh, great call. Let me start with the quarterbacks. Yeah, my expectation is that Jalen Miller will, will return to Alabama. I, you know, I do think that there's probably um, some interest out there uh, in regards to his future, as how, how it relates to the NFL. And I'm sure that uh, you know his some of the people that that uh, you know are family members or represent him uh, to some degree, and his future endeavors will take a look at where he projects as an NFL quarterback right now. But my my expectation is he'll be back. Uh, Ty Simpson is the number two quarterback right now. Um, I you know I've I've seen nothing or heard anything that that leads me to believe that he will transfer. Uh, but you never know. I mean uh, you know with Milrow coming back, and then you've got Tyler Buckner who um, is going into the transfer portal, possibly to play lacrosse, possibly to become a student, possibly to play football. We'll have to wait and see. And then you got Dylan Lonergan was one of the freshmen that you mentioned from Georgia, and Leo Holstein from Louisiana. Two true freshmen, both of whom are very talented. Uh, Lonergan really, really flashed in fall camp this year. There was some discussion that he might get a crack to play in some games, and it didn't happen. But uh, he and Holstein are true freshmen. Um, again, with the portal, you just don't, it's hard to project who's going to come back. And then, as you alluded to, you got Julian Sand, one of the top high school quarterbacks in the country from the San Diego area, uh, coming in and enrolling here in, in January. So, uh, or maybe in time, in the, actually in December, in time for the bowl practices, he'll start working out with the team. So you've got uh, you've got a logjam at quarterback based on the numbers. Uh, these things usually work themselves out. Um, I don't, I couldn't tell you who, uh, but as a group of quarterbacks with Butner already announcing that he's leaving, I would not be surprised if one of those other quarterbacks winds up in the portal. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me. But the next year, if you have a you know, a situation where uh, Milrow does come back, clearly you have an established starter. And so all the other quarterbacks then will be will be vying for the backup position or, you know, as high as they can get on the depth chart. So we're going to have to wait and see. Alabama's going to be in good shape at quarterback next year, um, regardless. And as to whether or not all those guys will be back, J.D., I just don't know. As far as Michigan is concerned, really good team. Uh, you don't get to be 13-0 because you're, not good. They're really good. Uh, I don't think their schedule's nearly as difficult as Alabama's has been, but they do have quality wins. You know, I, you know, beating Ohio State is a big time win. Uh, winning at Penn State is a nice win. Um, regardless of what you think of Iowa's offense, uh, Iowa has a really good defense, and they beat them in the, the Big Ten championship game. So, I think it's a, a good matchup. I think it's going to be a four quarter game. I think Michigan has got some speed, not like. All the big teams that we've seen, I think they're more athletic than other Michigan teams that have gotten into the playoff, and I think they'll give Alabama all they want. I, you know, right now I'm leaning toward taking Alabama. I think Alabama overall is still more talented than Michigan, and um, you know, I really think that Nick Saban, you know, is a master of coaching in these kind of games. And uh, I think Jim Harbaugh is a terrific coach, but I give Alabama the coaching edge too. So we will see how it plays out on New Year's Day. Hey, thanks for the phone calls on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline. We're going to get to the break. Before we do, I want to remind you the YMCA of Tuscaloosa, 2300 13th Street downtown. Brand new cardio equipment, state of the art, as good as you're going to find anywhere in the country. It is outstanding. The whole workout environment 
lends itself toward um, positivity, good feeling, good uh, good atmosphere. You'll absolutely love it. Get by and check them out at the YMCA, YMCA of Tuscaloosa. We'll be right back after this. Houston Hydro Steam Carpet and Upholstery Cleaning in Tuscaloosa. Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big-screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny but very cool day today. Tuscaloosa's high 51. A freeze tonight, clear with a low at 29. The weather stays dry tomorrow and Wednesday. A good supply of sunshine both days. Highs between 55 and 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 43 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Find Tide on Twitter at Tide 109 to keep up with show announcements, guests, and our reporters in the field. in a couple phone calls in this segment on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. Krispy Kreme Donuts, hot and fresh now, hot and fresh anytime. All right, um, back to Alabama football because that is uh, always our main topic here on the show, but we, we do mix it around. We've talked some hoops this morning. We've talked uh, some NFL, but um, with Alabama getting ready for this college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl, a lot of people have been asking me, uh, you know, about my plans and whether or not we're going to be able to go out there with the TV station. I don't know to answer the question right now. Um, I know Fowler is going to be out there for uh, Time 100.9 FM with uh, with the game, and there's still a chance that I might be out there. We're going to meet uh, this afternoon at the TV station to kind of figure out what our plan is. But um, I will say this: it's uh, it's expensive if you're going as a fan, and some people have. You know, called me at the TV station asking, and I would advise, um, based on my previous experience going out there for the 2010 BCS National Championship game, that if you can avoid LAX, you're probably that's probably good. And um, you know, it's it's you're gonna have to probably rent a car anywhere to get to um, the Rose Bowl, and and usually the media for the media, it's Newport Beach, which is where they put everybody buddy up at. But there's a lot of people flying into Las Vegas and staying in Las Vegas for a few days and then driving over to uh, Pasadena for the game. That's that's popular. Some people flying into Sacramento. Um, you know, it's different routes, but you, you probably want to shop pretty hard online for flights and for airports to arrive in destinations because, you know, let's just say you take a straight shot out of Birmingham and you're going into LAX, um, you're probably looking at a pretty expensive ticket 
and then you add on top of that trying to get game tickets, which they're going to be really, really expensive for this matchup between Alabama and Michigan. So you might want to do some planning. I know many of you already have. I'm not indicating that you're not. I'm just saying that I know I have received a lot of calls from people, you know, asking about, you know, best way to go and best route and best airline, all that kind of stuff. So um, I do know that there are people who are good at that that are able to get on online and and find these different ticket outlets and, and uh, find ways to save money. So, um, you know, all the people that are going out there for the game, some are going to pay more than others. And, um, you know, there's, it's worth doing your due diligence and, and trying to, uh, you know, find some value. And as, as I said, for the tickets, I know the secondary ticket market, they are running very, very, very expensive right now for Rose Bowl tickets. So it's a hot ticket. And, uh, you know, keep in mind, though, you can always, um, you know, if you stay home, you can you can always, it's New Year's Eve the night before, and you can have people over and be festive. And then New Year's Day, have a have a watch party and have all your party treats and food and, and uh, you know, do it like that, which is always a lot of fun, too. So Alabama and Michigan coming up New Year's Day uh, at the Rose Bowl. And it is, uh, as I said, it is an expensive, expensive ticket. And, um, you know, it's going to cost you some money to go out there. There's no doubt about that. All right, it is 1028 here on the Gary Harris Show. And um, we are going to get to the break. And when we come back on the other side, Casey Smith on golf, talking about John Rahm and more. We'll do that next right here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM, WTBC, the Tide 109 app, and Tide109.com. Crispy Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Ten thirty-one. welcome back into the Gary Harris Show, 29 minutes before the hour of 11 o'clock, and we're going to jump right back out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcome in Casey Smith on golf, and uh, good morning, Casey. How are you? Oh, doing great, Gary. Hope you're having a great day. I am. Looking forward to you catching me up on, on golf. Uh, let's start with the news. John Rahm is official, going to live, and um, you even indicated last year that you thought he, at, at some point, would be a candidate to make this move, but... Uh, it's still now. It's 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 in shockwaves from the standpoint. This is another really top player in the world uh, leaving the PGA Tour. Again, we stress the future could still see consolidation between these two tours, but for now, they're still separate entities. Um, what type of impact does this have on the world of golf, John Rob to live? You know, I, I think it has a massive impact on the world of golf um, because it's just the the next big domino that you probably could get in terms of, you know, Tiger Woods is not going to go the youth, the PGA tour. There's too much legacy there. He's, you know, the title sponsor of multiple PGA tour events. Um, Rory McIlroy is not going, he's been too involved and too outspoken against it. And so the, the third, 
you know, the best player probably of all right now in golf is John Rahm consistently of the stuff he puts together. He and Scotty Scheffler, uh, as we talked about a lot last year. And I mean, that's the best player they could go get. And they went, you know, continue to protect their biggest asset at live, which is the players. Um, the roster that they created over the last 24 months at live is definitely their biggest asset. And I'm sure they're going to continue to grow on that. I've been told that Tony Finau is now potentially likely to go, who is the neighbor and John Rahm and someone that plays a lot of golf with John Rahm. I mean, I, I told you the last couple of weeks on, on air that, um, I thought it was a $300 million deal that would roll up to $600 million if the PGA Tour and Liv do not get a deal done together. And um, I read last night where now the framework uh, meetings are happening even faster between the two because the PGA Tour is now in a position they lack leverage. Uh, Liv has now got the leverage. They've got the the funds. And I think Liv probably is... um, you know, cognizant of the fact that they that people are still doubtful of them and a little bit uncertain on where the money comes from. So they're they're not going to just go and have some immediate hostile takeover. It's not what they wanted from the start. They wanted to have a meeting and a seat at the table. PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan um, failed to do that and failed to um, have those meetings. And now, you know, continues to lose leverage by the day. I don't really even understand or how he even has a job still. Um, really shocked given, you know, he's lost a, a ton of players, but I guess now over 50-something players have defected to live all over him, not wanting to have a meeting with his biggest competitor. Wow. Um, Greg Norman was certainly uh, a leading force for, for Liv and, you know, his longtime grudge against the PGA Tour. He had aspired to have a tour like this for a long time, and... Now I never see his name even mentioned. Does he still have a role with Liv at all? Yes, Greg Norman's still running Liv, and, and that, that probably goes back to the beginning of the failures for, you know, we've talked about it at length, that Greg Norman's not very liked among a lot of people in the golf world. He's been a little bit brash, but he's also, you know, a very, very good businessman. He's uh, been in private business and many different verticals of business, and he was leading the charge for him. I mean, he still has a role. He's still their sort of CEO, but as you know, you've read where players have said that they wanted him out or, and not from the live side, but more from who they're recruiting side and more PGA tour players, they've lessened his, his role. Um, but he's the one still out there doing a lot of the recruiting, you know, and when they get in the room with him, they hear, you look at his resume, his resume speaks for itself. I mean, he was the number one ranked player in the world for a long time. And he was a good a member in good standing in the PGA Tour. And the PGA Tour, um, you know, failed to have a meeting with one of their members. And that's another uh, just total miss by Joe, Jay Monahan. Who's to blame for uh, most of this? Um, and, and you read around the, um, you know, the tea leaves that they called Jay Monahan's nickname at PGA Tour uh, corporate headquarters is Hockey Jay. And so... He's a college hockey player. He gets a little, you know, mad and angry, and they they felt like he carried the hockey J sort of uh, alter ego around during a lot of these decisions, and it's just having a crazy effect on golf. I did see where Jason Day said said no, um, and so he and Lydia Ko won this the first ever couples event yesterday or, or mixed 
event where there's LPGA and PGA. And so um, he is not going. And, and so it's interesting that Greg Norman hasn't been able to, to bring over some of the guys from Australia, Jason Day and Adam Scott. He did get Cam Smith. But, um, yeah, it looks like Tony Finale's next. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right about the roster that Liz built. I, I have to tell you, I knew the money was there uh, from the get-go, but I, I still thought that a lot of the top PGA Tour players just wanted to play the PGA Tour and wanted to play for um, legacy and, and statements. Again, I, I can't tell you. Um, well, and I think, Gary, I think, Gary, you're right. that They do and they did. And what we don't see is the business of golf that we miss as fans and people who follow it closely. I think they, they certainly did. But when... The PGA Tour hasn't given caddies, you know, benefits. They haven't provided benefits for caddies. They haven't provided – there's just so many different things. When, when some of these guys were struggling pros down at the web.com or the, you know, any of these lower tours, Canadian tours that the PGA Tour owns, those are, you know, there's a, there's a fair amount of guys that have had to come through those tours. They don't funnel any of that money downstream to help golf development of golf. And then since the reaction to live, all they've done is go and – continue to feed towards the top of their food chain, giving out more of this marketing dollars. They're allocated millions of dollars towards the top of, of the food chain, and they're not even retaining all of them. And so they continue to frustrate and uh, just sort of stick their um, hand in the face of some of their uh, members of good standing. So that then you lose loyalty. So you have Tiger Woods, who's very incentivized to make sure that he remains on the PGA Tour. Rory's probably going to get him a tournament next, but even guys that had tournaments, Phil Mickelson had a tournament, they just had awarded him. John Rahm's been given everything. Um, for the most part, he hasn't been really in the good old boys club and hasn't wanted to, but, you know, a John Rahm decision is, um, you know, he didn't have a set of clubs until a full set of clubs until he was 16. He didn't have a custom set until he got to college. Didn't really come from a lot of money. And when they negotiate, they just continue to go up in increments of $50 million, $100 million. So initially it was $200 million on the table for him. Then it went to $300 million, Then it went to $300 million plus $300 million. And um, they just have a different uh, pool of money to, to pull from to make this a successful league. All they're missing now is uh, a television contract. But I really think ultimately what's going to happen, Tiff and Liv, they, they want this to be uh, back together. They know the value of this becoming really a global tour. And I don't even think they want to do the work and the effort to make it just a standalone tour on their own. They want this to happen. So hopefully some of the egos will get out of the room and they'll get this deal done. Because if you're going to do a private equity deal, if you're the PGA tour, why would you not want to do it with the group who has a, you know, their biggest asset are all the players, the players that are going to bring eyeballs to the televisions and you get everyone rolled back together uh, playing golf. We get to see all the best players in the world playing the, the most tournaments possible. Casey Smith on golf with us. Yeah, um, I was going to say the roster that, that Liv has put together is very impressive, no doubt about it. Cam Smith, uh, DeChambeau, um, now John Rahm, of course, um, uh, Brooks Kepka. <laughs> Phil Mickelson, it, it, it goes on and on. And, and you said earlier that you feel like now that certainly the PGA Tour's hand has been forced. And this is an ongoing question that I have for you, but um, it does we're headed to, towards some type of unification tour. Uh, do you have any idea on a timetable as to when this might happen? Well, they got the extension, I guess, filed to meet the deadline by the end of this year um, for this 
private equity opportunity to come together where PIF, but the, the, the part of the PIF slash live, they, ha- they have to have a third party. So it has to be a third group involved, which I heard that's already, you know, in place moving, moving forward and faster. This deal was about to be dead. And so what live did was due to some egos, more, more, you know, egomaniacs involved, live went and, you know, they have endless amounts of money. So they went and got John Rahm, took him another stab in the kidneys of Jay Monahan. And, um, now it's, all right, now we're really going to talk because we're continuing to lose leverage by the day. Um, and from people I know, they're like, they're trying to play nice, but that guy can't get out of his own way. So I think that now we're looking like 2025, you could have a combined sort of global tour uh, again, but it's going to take all of next year to get all of this ironed out. And probably won't have anything special until March, April, May. And a lot of it's just due to television contracts. And um, so anyway, that's, that's uh, world of golf got a lot of news going on. Yeah, your opinion of, of, of Moynihan obviously is not very high, so I will ask you a, a very blunt question. Why does he still have a job? I mean, the PGA Tour Policy Board has a lot of power. I mean, he, he works for the tour. If if he is as inept as you say that he is, how is he still employed? I don't I don't understand well, that, if that's, if that's well, the case. Yeah, and, and so it's, it's like, uh, you know, it is a, a member's tour, quotes in the air, but ultimately he's still the, the guy that's on the board and and what he did was when he was about to be fired right after all of the live defections happened and they realized that jay monahan was the guy that was behind signing off on the negative press of his former players when he was running all those ad campaigns against them by using a political ad agency um he was about to be fired and sued and then when he got that framework agreement in place with live and they were able to to then get to a, a resolution of dropping all lawsuits because none of them wanted any discovery out there for either one of them's books. He's making $15 million a year, by the way. Um, he got that deal in place to protect himself. So he went on the back channel and, you know, that's what he's called. He caught so much black for is John Rahm is main reason he's left. He's like, I just don't trust the guy. He went out there and was telling one thing and he went and cut a deal with the guy that's running the live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all he did that for was to save his job. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's bought him some more time. And now it's, it's, he's either got to get this deal done to keep his job, in which he's going to do everything he can to do that, or, um, you know, he, he eventually going to lose his job. But most of the players, they're out on him because of, of how he handled this, knowing that, um, you know, what's come out of it is, Exactly, pretty much what Phil Mickelson said all along, and then what he did was trash Phil Mickelson. So, um, anyway, I guess he's maintained his job by, um, you know, stabbing people in the back at the top of the food chain. No, I agree with you. The trust in him is eroded, and you're absolutely right, Casey. And you said it from the get-go. Um, initially, when Liv came into being, he went on, you know, national television and said, "No way will we ever, will we ever." Um, do anything with live and and you know played the played the 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 9-11 card and and uh and and the players uh on the tour a lot of the players including rob stood behind him and uh, some as you said mcelroy and justin thomas and others were very very vocal in their support for the pga tour so i i do see it now i mean that you know now you get rory mcelroy going hey we want to make sure that we get the Ryder cup deal done so john rom can be eligible you know and previously he you know said some other things but He's the hot button topic. He, he's already trashed, you know, um, the guys still trashing like Henrik Stenson. The reason, you know, the best thing that happened to the 2023 Ryder Cup team was 
Henrik Stenson getting to be the captain of Live, but now in the same, this is like two days ago. And then the same thing, he wants John Rahm to be eligible to come back. So uh, Rory McIlroy, who has always been very honest, seemingly person, has uh, really um, he's he's hurting himself with his uh, stances that continue to waffle back and forth. Ultimately, to me, making him look like a hypocrite. So short term, though, for 2024, and let me make sure I'm correct. You you expect 2024 to operate like 2023 did? Two separate tours. Uh, the players on the Live Tour that are eligible for the major championships will play in them. Uh, the ones that that aren't won't, and they will be separate entities as far as uh, this upcoming year. Yeah, I mean that's that's the way it's headed right now. Uh, you know, you do have the DP World Tour allowing Live players to play in some of their events. Louis Oosthuizen won a DP World Tour event this week weekend by two and it's actually the fourth dp win in a row by live players so they're getting to play in more events already um i assume that's eventually what you'll see it look like most think that 2024 is going to be exactly how you said 2025 there will be some type of global world tour but there are benefits to having eyeballs to getting all these guys back into let's call it 18 to 20 events and all four majors obviously are separate entities from the tours so the players that are exempt are exempt into those. And then that's what over the next six months to 12 months you're going to see, you know, being adjusted or they're going to, the majors are going to have to make sure during all of this you know, chaos that they're getting the best players in the future years into their events or they're going to lose their luster as well. And, and really the, probably the who's been hurt the most by this is the players championship. Um, that's always been, you know, the flagship event for the PGA tour, but when you continue to lose players that can't play in it, it doesn't make it you know near as big of an event. Yeah, true, very true. All right, uh, you mentioned last week, I think, uh, as Liv brings in Rom and and you know they've got they've got their stars, and even though everybody on that tour makes a lot of money, I get it. Um, but you mentioned one player, I think, that was coming back to the PGA Tour. Do you expect maybe some Liv guys to get a little bit? Uh, um, not frustrated, but feeling like, hey, I'm, I'm way down on the totem pole here. Maybe it's time for me to go back to the PGA Tour. Do you think we'll see some of those guys come back over to the other side? I think when, uh, as they continue to build their product and they're going to have now their first open this coming weekend, I think, or next weekend, where they're having like a, a, a mini Q school type of event. They've invited all these people out. As they continue to feed their tour from the bottom and the top by adding players, they're having, rel- you know, Relegation, So they're going to be players without places to play, such as this Burn Weisberger, who's gone back to the DP World Tour. So you're going to see some of that start to turn out. But, you know, they don't have players trying to leave because they're making so much money. Right. And then they're, okay. they're signing initially these three-year deals to four, depending on how much money it is. And so they're, most of them are locked up. I think after this next season, that's where you're going to see the big, are they staying, are they going, is this league continuing on or not um 2024 is really the make or break year and unfortunately for all of us golf fans we have another year where we have the best players in the world only playing in four events all year so the majors are worth even more than they've yeah, ever they been really are. Right? they really are and, um, and it's a, and a that's going to be for, for years to come you know working yeah. on some other some side business deals and we've been forecasting for stuff like that and it's insane that right now the ticket prices for majors versus the other events where you can just pretty much just walk in 
the majors have been elevated even more due yeah, to this. They have. No, no, not, and there's a lot of PGA Tour events. I've always said I don't pay attention to the regular live events, but there's going to be a lot of PGA Tour events that are going to have very low numbers. You're right, because there's just not going to be You're right. there's not going to be any star power. Hey, let me ask you about this. Um, in terms of the amateur golf, and I know that, you know, you said PGA Tour now is trying to make, you know, uh, a path for top amateur golfers to go ahead and be guaranteed spots, and sure, Liv is going to throw a lot of money out to some of these guys. But just right now, a, a guy like Nick Dunlap, a guy, uh, you know, one of these top college golfers, how much money potentially are they making in college with NIL? You know, that, that's a good question. I, I, I gather that your best player is has the ability to potentially get up to your – you know, a couple hundred grand, maybe, maybe a, a Nick. If they're trying to get him in equipment already early, mm-hmm. maybe they start paying him the start of some of those deals. Um, he's probably a little bit. He and Gordon are probably in a little bit of a different realm than the others. So maybe his market cap is even higher because of what's ahead. So maybe it's a million a year. I mean, I, I, that's a great question. I will find the answer out too. Okay. Um, I know that. The lower end of your best players that is that two two fifty that they can get from a few different companies, right? And you're talking best college players. Those two guys, given Love Big O Bears, you know, blazed the trail for them and already won. It makes it, it makes the their negotiating and leverage even higher because if you're the one of those companies that are sponsoring Love Big, you're thrilled that you locked him up in college. I think it. He's got a little bit of a combo of stuff, but I mean, if it's Nick's been with Ping and Adidas and Gordon's been with Tideless, you know, they're they're gonna pay have to pay them a little bit more if they want them as pro. And usually now with NIL, those deals can start in college because they already start, but they expire when you go from amateur to professional. And that the the way those contracts are written, and so now uh, they have to rewrite them. But now I think that given the way it works, they just have them that can they carry on. Lastly, Casey, you, uh, you, 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 you're great with golf, but you're a big sports fan, and the business of sports is something that you're very, very tied into. Uh, I want to ask you about, uh, I guess the Dodgers are now the, the live of, uh, uh, of, of baseball. I thought the bets were last year with Steve Cohen, but that bomb. But $700 million over 10 years for Shohei Itani. The Dodgers have, have and, and this is a sport where guys make a lot of money, but they've completely shot the salary structure uh, out of whack with this one. Uh, this is uh, more, he's going to make more than eight major league franchise complete team payrolls. Uh, I mean, this is just, this is unprecedented. Uh, guy to make $70 million a year. Um, I guess, you know, even makes, you know, Bryce Harper and Scherzer and, and, and these deals look small. Your, uh, just your takeaways from 700 million, 10 years, 70 million a year for the Dodgers and Otani. Well, the takeaway is they better win. Because um, anything short of winning the World Series is at least one, if not two, is definitely uh, you're not going to get the ROI on that, right? I mean, it, how, how do you even if, if you if you really can't win a World Series? This is my first case. They can't win two World Series in his um, life of his initial contract. Then that's a loser. So uh, I guess the you know they're, the proof's in the pudding, and they better hope that they don't get anyone else. Um, hurt because they're not going to have any money to sign other players. Um, he obviously earned it. It's hard to quantify how you pay someone like that. I mean, this is the unicorn. Mm-hmm. How do you pay someone? How's the factor on how you pay them? He holds all the cards because he can play multiple positions that are, you know, impactful. And 
he could be an MVP candidate at either position, not much less that he gets to do both, which is crazy. So, yeah, I guess the Dodgers are to him because getting... this is really one of the most special and unique talents of the yeah. Our, he is. Like, and I guess the Dodgers say, like, hey, and listen, we're really paying $35 because we're getting two players in one. Uh, although, you know, we don't know when he's going to be able to pitch again. But, uh, uh, right. yeah, it's uh, it's it's unbelievable. Wildest I mean, thing it, ever. But, you know, from the player's perspective, it's like, wow. So just yeah. insane that he's a, he has the gift, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. And, but I still look at these small market from clubs, and I'm thinking – you know, you're operating with a payroll that is, is is less for an entire roster of players than what the Dodgers play in one guy. But, you know, that's why the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Dodgers and, and, and those clubs are, are Red Sox are who they are because they can do things that other the other, other teams can't. Hey, great stuff, Casey. Uh, give Thank people you. the Twitter handle if they want to follow you out, or X, uh, if they want to follow you out there on X. At Casey 10 Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thank you, Gary. Have a great week. All right, we'll come back and wrap up uh, this edition of the Gary Harris Show right after this. Ask Big. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny but very cool day today. Tuscaloosa's high 51. A freeze tonight, clear with a low at 29. The weather stays dry tomorrow and Wednesday. A good supply of sunshine both days. Highs between 55 and 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 44 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Alabama Crimson Tide lives right here. Tide 100.9. All right, 1055, wrapping it up for this Monday, December 11 edition of the Gary Harris Show for 2023. And our thanks to uh, both Rodney Orr and Casey Smith for joining us this morning. Thanks for your phone calls. And a reminder, you can catch me on TV tonight with the local sports on WVUA 23. The Miller's Edge is coming up next at 11 a.m. That'll be followed at 12 noon by Big Noon Sports with uh, Matt and Lars. And then uh, Fowler will take you home with the game from 2 until 6. We'll crank you back up in the morning, 6 a.m. with the Martin Houston Show. Wimp and Barry inside the locker room from 7 until 9. Then I'll be back with you tomorrow morning for the Tuesday edition of the Gary Harris Show, 9 until 11. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law. I want to thank all of my great sponsors for making the program possible. And uh, we will talk to you again in the morning. For Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Have a great day. Miller's Edge with Corey Miller and Kristen Miller coming up next at 11 a.m. Right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Krispy Kreme is a tough